bites, dissecting life and talking shit. This is Head On View. Issued by the Society of Radical Midwives. Welcome to Head On View. I'm Carly. And this is Laura. And today's episode is brought to you by the words like and you know. You know. <laughs> So our producer has roasted us and told us that we say those words far too often, which I guess we probably do. And unless you are recording yourself and listening back, you don't realize what words you say often. We have learned apparently in our last podcast over an hour, we said the word like 500 times. You promised me you weren't going to use the word like so much. It makes you sound ignorant. The fact that he counted it. <laughs> no, he has a program. He has a program that counts oh, okay. it. He's not there like... You can't be serious. One, two, doing a little chat. He has a program that counts how terrible vocabulary is and how wow. limited. Okay. Wow. This is the age of social media, I guess, where, where our vocabulary is now back to like we're 10 years old. <laughs> okay so we will not be talking about that just before we get into it for the first time in ages I haven't had to pull a double shift for a long time what and I had to do one the other night and my sleep was all over the place after that yeah where I am at the moment I've been kind of seconded to the nursing area which hasn't been as awful as I thought it would be but as I was finishing up my evening shift they were like oh you know, there's someone in labor. We really need a midwife. We don't have anyone else on call. We've got no one to do it. Do you mind just saying? And I was like, well, yeah, sure. I haven't had my orientation to the mid side yet because I'm getting it this week. I don't really know your processes, but obviously the job's pretty much same, same. And then we ended up in an emergency Caesar, which is all <laughs> fun and games when you don't know where the fuck is. But I where is all the paperwork? That you know, the paperwork's different in every hospital. It is, but they do... They do a lot of stuff online here as well, half online, half on paper. You know, I worked it out, so it's fine. But this was something that I'd never had to do before. So in the Caesar, they said you have to fully scrub. What do you mean I have to fully scrub? I'm not doing the Caesar. I have to assist? What? <laughs> and they said, no, you have to fully scrub to catch the baby. Well, I've never before at this hospital, that's just how they do it. That's their policy. So you have to go and do that, the scrubbing with your hands. You have to gown up. The nurse puts your gloves on. I was all Grey's Anatomy over here. Just look at me, gowned up, living, gloved living on. Living your best Grey's Anatomy Grey's life. Anatomy life. Just to stand there and have the doctor turn around and hand me the baby. I'm sorry, but I would just like to say that's bullshit. <laughs> well, it, it did seem a bit strange. And I was going to ask someone about it after I was like, why? do that and they just said oh well once someone I don't know went into the surgical field and someone didn't like it so this is what we do now some theaters have a sterile field and then a very sterile field there's squares have you seen those theaters where you yeah, can see one yes. square or one rectangle yeah. sorry and then yes another rectangle yeah the rectangle in the middle is like the that's the real sterile. sterile as the midwife in a season, generally your job is there to just take the baby to make sure the baby's okay. You are literally standing right behind the obsgyny. Exactly. Your mm. hands are out. You're not even touching them. But when things like this, though, are in practice, it makes me think, 
what happened? What happened that one time yeah. <laughs> to make them do this? Something obviously happened. That's how they change. Also in other controversial news, I mean, I don't really know how controversial it is, but everyone was talking about it at the hospital. So the hospital I'm at, their social media channel made this whole video and released it on their Instagram about how their ED is in dire need and like everywhere really needs funding and how they haven't had new equipment for years and they see 10,000 people a year and the ED is not up to scratch. And apparently the Department of Health called the CEO and said, you need to take this down. And the CEO just said, nah. (laughs) But I was quite impressed. Oh, a CEO that's actually trying to raise awareness and advocate for the hospital. So I was like, well, go you. In other news, I finished up on my surgical now, which didn't, hey, don't think I would put my hand up to a surgical nursing placement again, but at least I know I can do stuff. And now I'm just moving on to the mid, they call it the mid model. It's sort of like MGPs. Basically, you don't get shifts, you go on call. Mm -hmm. So I'll be on call from 8am to 8am for 24 hours. One day I'll be first on call, then the next day second on call, then third on call, then back to first on call. So I'll see how it goes. I've never worked this type of model, which is more like we said, MGP, where you're on call and you wait for the call to see if someone goes into it. Or people are calling you up to do stuff. It'll kind of be interesting to see. Yeah, It'll be interesting how it goes. to see what days are busy and what mm. different types of busy you're getting because I think being on call can sometimes be really boring. You're just sitting there and you're not doing anything and no one calls you. Yeah. And it's hard, I guess. How much can you do? I mean, it's it's a small town, so I could still go out and do a few things and not be too far away, but you can't really be like, I'm going to go on a day trip two hours away because if someone calls, oh, hang on, got to get back. Exactly. Can't drink because can't be rocking up drunk. Just kind of got to be hanging out ready but at least I guess you're at home you can do laundry and are you do getting my paid during this box. time well the interesting thing is that I'm not sure if this is interesting or bad agency when the hospital told me this and I said oh I didn't think I was doing that my agency didn't tell me that and they said oh well we've been having discussions with your agency about this and I called my agency and they said oh hang on we thought that was for the new agency midwives coming in, not for you. We're still trying to nut it out. You might be our guinea pig on working out how we're going to pay you because oh. the full-time people there, they get paid a salary. So this is their salary regardless yeah. if they get called in once or if they get called in 10 times, they get their salary, whatever it is. So right. I'm not really quite sure how as agency, I don't know if they're going to say, well, this is a daily rate you get paid because I was talking to the girls who are salaried and I said, oh, what if you get called on a Monday afternoon? Do you get paid anymore if you then get called on a Saturday at 3 a.m.? And they said, no, they don't get any penalties. They just get the same amount of money each oh. week. Oh, I don't know if I like that. They yeah. were kind of looking at it as a way, well, sometimes you get called in, sometimes you don't. So it all sort of evens out. And 
Some of them really liked the idea of not having to work regular shifts and others of them were like, I just would like to come to work and know that I'm there doing my PM shift and then I go home. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it depends. You know, everyone's got their preferences. At this stage, I would prefer my work to tell me when they've allocated me a shift. That would be nice. (laughs) I've never been a casual before. This is the first time a casual in midwifery. I've always held a permanent position. And whilst I do hold a permanent position at one hospital, this other hospital, I hold a casual position. And fuck me, it's confusing. Like, do casuals get treated worse because we're not permanent? Or do we just get treated like, you're I don't know if filler? it's worse, but maybe just not expendable. That's not the right word. As a casual, it's sort of, oh, we need you. Oh, we don't need you. They're quite happy to cancel you last minute. Yeah. And I found out we're doing casual work and agency work. It's the unreliability, which is why a lot of people don't do casual because mm. they say, I want to know I'm working four shifts this week and this is what I'm getting paid. Whereas yeah. in casual, it's, oh, if I work these four shifts, I'll get good money but I might not get these shifts. It's not guaranteed. So what happened to me is I told them when I was available, but I don't know if that means uh, you can put me in definitely for a shift. I feel like I should be told that I'm being No, so so normally anytime I've worked casual, I would say this is my availability and then they would message me or text me or call or however your work does it and say, okay, great, can you work this shift or we've booked you for this shift? And then in the meantime, if my availability has changed, I will either reply and go, yay, great, I'll take it, or no, sorry, I can't do that anymore. Yeah, well, this is not yeah. what they've done. <laughs> oh, <So> okay. <laughs> I, spoke, I spoke to them. Yeah. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. Maybe it's just because I've been a permanent employee for so long that I'm not used to it. But I said, look, I can work this day and this day. So one of the days was today and the other day was Sunday, and that's fine right? Sunday morning, I wake up and there's three missed calls on my phone from a department at my hospital. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Are you okay? And then an SMS saying, are you okay? I'm guessing you were meant to be at work and no one told you. (laughs) I called them up. Hey, it's me. Yeah, where are you? I'm in bed. Where are you? (laughs) Oh, you're at work. And they're like, why are you at work? And I said, no one told me I was on this shift. I told them my availability. I called them twice and left a message on their phone saying, can you please confirm my shifts? I really need to know. Otherwise, I'm going to make other plans. No one called me. No one texted me. No confirmation. I don't know if I'm supposed to expect that, but no one confirmed it. So I was like, fuck it. I'm not. No one said anything. No, that that sounds like bad communication from the HR department. In general, normally. No, I'm not coming in. No, normally anytime I've done, and even even within a hospital when I've done casual on bank mm. as well, you'd give your availability, but that doesn't mean you're going to get a shift. They would always confirm. I think maybe you just need to speak to that department and say, okay, how does this work here? Do you guys yeah. confirm? Do I check my online roster? Well, apparently I'm supposed to check my online roster. And I said to them, I can't because I've been locked out because I forgot my password. And the only time I can actually change the password is when I can get hold of IT and that's during the week during business hours. So today I was on the ward on an AM. They tell me last night, oh, do you mind if you work Dom or do you not? And I said, look, I'll work in either department. 
You just need to let me know. Just send me a text around 5.30 in the morning or 6 so I know whether I have to get up or I can sleep in an extra hour because they different starting times. So nothing, six o'clock goes by, nothing. So I call and they say, no, 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 come in. We need you on the ward. I get onto the ward at 7 a.m. And they say, no, 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 you're on Don. But I just thought, oh, he changed his, he said he called you. Well, he called me when I was already at the the hospital. There's different starting times. And then I'm on the road. I'm on the road for most of my shift and I don't have time to and by the time I get back and do all my stuff I don't have time to pull IT so yeah this this ridiculous casual system (laughs) so fuck this is dumb this is the dumbest why can't anyone communicate with me and then someone said to me it's because you're a casual like I don't matter basically oh that's nice isn't it (laughs) so (laughs) (laughs) for everyone listening at home they can I'm holding up two middle fingers (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's uh, yeah, that's our week so far. That's Crazy. our week. That um, was our week. But in but, saying that, today I did yes. meet a very lovely first year ACU student who. Oh, lovely! If she's listening, hi Rose. You were amazing. We had so much fun. We even stopped at my house and saw my dog. I'm just going to do a little tooting of my own horn because I mean we don't do that enough, really. I mean, does anyone even say that anymore? Tooting your own horn. So I was working with a student, which is kind of laughable in itself in the fact that really I haven't done nursing since I was a student. So and I had a student with me and she said to me, it was basically, she said, oh, I really love working with you. You are the type of nurse I want to be like. Oh, like how nice is that? And I was, uh, and instead of saying something like, hey, one who doesn't know what they're doing, I was just like, hey, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and then when I, when I went to that emergency season where I also didn't really know what was going on, the dad, the dad said to me, we were just sort of chatting and I said, yeah, I'm just here on a contract, travel nursing, whatever. And the dad said to me, oh, you, you would be such an asset to this hospital. <laughs> oh. And I was like, oh. And then the anaesthetist, the anaesthetist, the lovely anaesthetist said, you have got such a nice manner. You are so lovely to the patients, but you're also so professional. Oh. And I was just like, oh, my God, you guys. You guys. You've obviously not seen her eat nachos at 3 a.m. Just saying. <laughs> no, <I'm laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> Haven't had any night shifts there. <laughs> Isn't it great when you get feedback like that? Oh. When you get positive feedback and genuine and people are so genuine. And I was just, oh, my God, I just felt all the love, all the love. Despite the fact that we say too many likes and, you know, other things that are happening in our life, Carly, I have gone for a new job. I've applied (gasps) for for a research job. Oh, interesting. It's maybe two or three days a week to go in Mm -hmm. line with my permanent job. I don't know if I'll get it. They might go, what the fuck is she applying for? She doesn't know anything about Indigenous health. So I'm out to learn about Indigenous health. <laughs> it's a project about replanting the birthing tree. And mm-hmm. I've read a little bit about it. It sounds really interesting. I've gone for the job. And we'll see if I at least get an interview and see if I can be a research assistant. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, why I'm, not? I'm, I think why not? And my philosophy always when applying for jobs is one, 
you do not know who else is applying. You may be the best candidate that's applying. I know they will have a selected criteria and say what they're looking for, but I figure even if you don't quite meet those, if you're willing to learn and do this, yes, throw yourself out there. The worst that can happen is they say no and just delete your file and put it in the bin. Which they might. They might do that. I don't know. I've worked with Indigenous communities, but within a public hospital system where I've not been in charge of those communities, I said, but teach me and I'll give it a go. I remember back when I was sort of early 20s working in a shoe shop and (laughs) way back in the day, and people used to come in. This is when people would still come in with their actual hard copy resume and hand it to you. Oh, yeah. And my manager used to be like, oh, great. I'll just file that and get back to you. And he'd just go at the back and put it in the bin. Oh, no. <laughs> that, that was his file. That was his file. So I always figure that is the worst that can happen. I apply for a job and someone just puts my resume straight yeah. in the bin. Or in today's world, they just press delete. My son walked into the local Woolworth with his resume in his hand. And the manager said, oh, this is amazing. No one ever walks in here. You know, everyone applies online. In a lot of the small towns that I've been going through, I Mm. see, oh, unbelievable. Every small town, there is a thousand job ads up in the shops, in the fast food places, in the restaurants. And one place, I can't even remember where it was now, one place they literally had a sign up saying that they needed staff and they said, Come by on Friday between 12 and 3 and we will interview you right now. <laughs> they, they were so desperate for stuff. They just said, rock up here between 12 and 3 and you can have an interview. Wow. So They must be really desperate. This hospital I'm at, they actually have some really cool new things. They're, the new beds, the patient beds, have mm. got USB chargers in the bed frame. In the bed frame. You know how normally you're like, oh, the patient, oh, hang on, I need to plug my phone in. Oh, the only plug sock is in like the arse end of nowhere. I need a lead that's 500 metres long. These new beds have got USB ports in the bed frame. Just charge your phone. Clearly I need something like that in my chair. In other cool things that I've seen at this hospital, we all know if you're a midwife, the pain of trying to make a toco pick up contractions that sometimes it just will not, no matter what you do. It just will not pick up contractions. They have this thing. I think it's called an interuterine catheter. I may have the name wrong, not 100% sure, because actually one of the women who'd had it used on it was telling me about it. So when I was looking after her postnatally, it's basically this little sort of catheter thing that goes internally in the vagina if you were putting like an FSC, but it's like a little catheter that oh. sits sort of in between the baby's head and I don't know, the uterus. And so it monitors the contractions internally. What? By a sort of wireless Bluetooth thing. I'm intrigued. What's it called? I'm not 100% sure, but I think she said it was interuterine catheter. Could be wrong. But right. essentially, it's a little thing. So it's put up inside vaginally and it rests between the baby's head and the uterus. So it's picking up the contractions internally. Wow. That's so cool. I said, was it uncomfortable going in? She said it was no more uncomfortable than having BE. Oh, wow. And then she said after that it was just really reliable and they didn't have to keep fiddling around with the belts and the little monitor on her belly and being like, let me fix this, sorry, don't move. This is a small town. Yeah. This has led perfectly, Carly, into what we were talking about early about 
differences that we're picking up. So you work in a small town. That sounds like they're better at picking up contractions <laughs> than a tertiary hospital. Okay, uh, but can I compare? The hospital I used to work at in Melbourne had maybe 4,000 births per year. The hospital I'm at now has maybe 200 births per year. So we're definitely right. working at, at a different scale, a different, different scale here. Yeah. Just before we started recording, you told me that men still get paid more than women even in nursing. Yes, and isn't that shocking? So what the hell? I think I think everyone is quite aware. There's always talk, oh, the gender pay gap, blah blah blah. And I I get it in jobs. I guess if you're a lawyer or an accountant, or those those kind of careers where you can negotiate your salary. Yeah. When I saw an article saying that men, even though men make up a minority of the workforce as a nurse and midwives it said they still get paid more I was actually shook I just thought how how does that happen I was thinking oh is it because they're men and they're just getting promoted faster and basically for people who are not in Australia who don't know how our pay system works as healthcare workers it essentially goes up every year you work you get an increase in pay The only other way, and generally these pay scales are set out by the government, I guess, by between the union and the government, they work at a pay scale. And so you're on an EBA and your money goes up every year. The only way normally to other than that get a pay rise is to take a sort of an in-charge position or do a postgrad certificate. Or move into management. Or move into management. Or education or something. Or if you do a casual or agency work where you're not in a full-time role and you get paid a higher amount. So it looks like that men are getting paid more, one, because they get promoted faster than women in these roles. And is that because and, men are not having to stay home with their children? And, and that's another reason as well that a lot of men are – working full-time. Well, we guarantee there'll be men out there who yeah. give us a wave, give us a shout, we'll do a podcast with you, stay-at-home dads, which I know that it shouldn't be any different than a stay-at-home, but because it's the minority. But when you look at upper management in a hospital, do you see more men than women, right? I think where I work at the moment permanently, it's probably even. Mm. I think just from what I was reading, the women are more likely to be in the aged care roles and the roles that pay a little less, whereas the men are more likely to go into, you know, the specialties that pay a bit more and they'll be working full time. Mm-hmm. Nurses and midwives in New South Wales, as opposed to Victoria, as opposed to other states, just get paid differently. We still don't get paid as much as nurses and midwives in, I think, New South Wales, but their patient ratio is not protected like ours. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Where I am regional, in regional Victoria, the patient ratio is different here to what it is in Metro Victoria. Yeah. Which is interesting as well. I thought it was across the board statewide, but no. Yeah, now the private hospital I work in, a lot of the agency and casual midwives that I work with are Irish. They're oh, there's a few Irish over here as well. They're overtaking. They are the hardest working midwives I've ever met. So dedicated and so hardworking. Even a patient was like, so many of your midwives are Irish. I I don't know why. And I asked her, why are you all leaving Ireland to work here? Then she told me what they have to work in Ireland. And what do they have to work? They have to work 13 hour days. Oh, as standard. That's their standard, standard shift. 
standard shift is 13 hours, seven to eight. Oh, and then uh, seven to no, seven to eight thirty, seven a.m. to eight thirty p.m. And then I guess the night shift does at starts at eight, eight to seven thirty a.m. And once a month, all midwives have to do seven nights in a row. You can do those seven nights in a row, or you can yeah do a split. split them. Right. And she says the pay is dismal when you start off. It's terrible. She said it is so exhausting. You're working all the time. The cost of living over there is higher as well yeah. than it is here. She said three shifts in a week and then you're covering. It's full time. There's no part time. There's no casual. There's no bank. There's none of this, you know, family friendly hours, nothing. I said, what do you do if you have kids? She said, daycare, nannies, whatever. Which all costs money as well. Which all costs money. And she said, that's just what it is. And that's just yeah. the accepted and then she told me how many people, how many people are in Ireland? What, four, four million? No, more than that. I don't know that. I don't know that kind of information. Millions, millions. Someone correct us. <laughs> but she said the class size for direct entry midwifery is like maybe 50. <laughs> what the hell? So they're producing a very small amount of midwives, expecting them to work ridiculous hours for ridiculous pay and look after a very large patient population. Mm, it's not sustainable, is it? It's like over here. I, I just always wonder where they're going to find all these new nurses and midwives from. Well, the first year midwife that was hanging out with me today, mm. basically listening to me swear most of the day, she said the ATAR, which in Victoria is your university entry score, for midwifery is 95. That seems ridiculously high. I can't imagine that I am that smart. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say that to her. I didn't want to say, oh, we're really not that clever. We're smart, but we're not. But I'm thinking, yeah, this is where you're going as a mature age student. What? She said she didn't get that score, but she got in on a second offer. And most of the women in her course are mature age. Yeah, of course, because none of us are getting ATARs of 95. 95. I mean, is 98. What the fuck? What's going on? 95 for direct entry mid. That just seems... I mean, you can't be a complete dummy, but also... But you don't need to be a genius. Rocket science genius. No, no. You need to be patient and a little bit clever and a little bit switched on. (laughs) You need to be switched on. (laughs) You need to be uh, able to work in an emergency situation. Yeah, I mean, just going back to that, I know we we do complain sometimes about how hard we have it out here, but if you look at other countries, I remember when I first was looking at travel, midi nursing, and was like, I could go all over the world and do this. And technically, yes, you can, but it's a bit harder. And I remember looking at a few other places and countries and being like, oh, actually, the conditions sound a bit shit. It sounds like it's a lot of work to do it. Yeah. And I just thought, we're actually pretty fucking lucky here. We work under pretty good conditions compared to the rest of the world. We probably have the best work conditions and the best pay, even though we complain about these things. On a world scale, I think as nurses and midwives, Australia's probably one of the best places to work. And then I just spend my money holidaying in between and not working overseas. Yeah. 
<laughs> I just spend my money on rent and kids. Mm. <laughs> you know what? Generation, I think music-wise, I remember when I was a little, little kid, my dad would be playing the vinyls and then, you know, I as still I got play vinyls. Playing um, vinyl now is the cool thing to do. Yeah, I mean, it's cool, but it's not sort of the regular thing. And then yeah. as you got a bit older, we got cassette tapes, and I was like, yeah, cool. And then I remember changing out all my cassette tapes for CDs and being, you know, at first I was really reluctant. You know, the CDs, the long, tall CD stacker in your living room. And then it was really exciting in your car if you had like a five-CD changer. And then after the CDs, and then I remember kind of, getting the iPod I mean oh okay now I can now I can put all my music on an iPod mm-hmm. and now I feel like we've gone through a whole music genesis I don't know what's the yeah, word and now <laughs> records now records because I have a record player that hooks up the bluetooth speakers I got a nice system yeah. and I'll go out and buy records my daughter with me we go looking for records but at the moment, if you want a certain record, my daughter's into Queen. I don't know where it's come from, but she loves Queen. So we went to look for a Queen record, $80. That sounds extortionate. But she's like, but I want the vinyl. And I was like, oh, fuck, okay. It's crazy. But you're not going to find a mint condition Queen greatest hits record. What did you think about the Queen movie? I watched it on the plane when I was going overseas earlier this year and I very enjoyed it yeah I was never a huge Queen fan I've enjoyed their music but I've never been like oh I love Queen no I feel it's just something my dad used to listen to oh my dad listens to Queen where my 11 year old is obsessed with Queen she loves it she loves the story she loves the background she knows the words to all the songs so I'll go buy her record but you know 80 dollars not a bargain. Not a bargain. Like, Not a bargain at all. And I said to the guy, this is an expensive record. And I started looking through all the cool records that, all that I much. wanted. They're all like 50 to 80. I mean, I don't know how much you should be paying. I, I can't even recall how much. I can't even recall how much a, a record used to be back in if the you, day. Oh, uh, look, five, $8, $5. I, mean, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> look how old we are. I don't know how much the record was. <laughs> I don't know. $15 maybe? $10? About. Mm. I think we used to pay sort of £15. I mean, this is even this is going back away for a CD. Look at us <laughs> rehashing the cost, the cost of living. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, did you listen to their podcast? Oh, they're so old. <laughs> they're so old. Oh, they're, they're just talking about back in my day when back things cost. Day. I think maybe we should wrap this up. Just a little short and sweet. <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully our likes and you knows have been minimized. Diminished. Okay, well, thanks for tuning in, guys. I hope we haven't bored you to tears. I hope you've had a little chuckle along with us. And yeah. I guess if you love us, give us a like, give us a follow. We're on Insta, Head On View podcast. Excellent. We'll chat to you guys next time, hopefully about something a little bit more interesting. We'll find something. We will. All right. <laughs> Okay. Bye. Until the next episode, it's time to boot this baby home. I didn't know it was still recording.